he does try to provide that inspiration and positivity to people. And again, something in your own business, like you may have adversity and things that come up, but how can you take that and make other people feel like it's okay and keep going? And yes, you might hit this bump in the road or you might experience this, but your business is going to be fine and keep going. And here's what you can do. Stop blowing my mind about Brett Michaels. <laughs> the two legitimate to quit instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the marvelous Krista Grasso. Krista Grasso is an international lean business consultant and the creator of the Lean Out Method and the 90-Day Lean Out Planner. She has been helping businesses achieve accelerated results and increased profitability for two decades through a combination of strategic planning and lean business practices. Known as the business optimizer, Krista has the ability to quickly cut through the noise and focus on optimizing the core things that will make the biggest impact to grow and scale a business. She specializes in helping businesses identify the most important things that they should focus on right now that will drive maximum value for their customers and maximum profits for their businesses. Krista, I have been looking forward to this episode for so long, but before I fangirl on you and you fangirl on your beloved what do small businesses need to focus on this week? They need to lean out. Lean out. So for people that don't understand the concept of leaning, what does that actually mean? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about anything that's lean in business, it's really all about eliminating waste. And so when you think about the things that business owners do all the time, right, there's tons of things that you do on a day-to-day basis. There's offers that you have in your business. When people really take a deep dive and look, there is a ton of waste in business. Mm-hmm. And when you have waste, it means you're overworking. <laughs> it means you're spending time on things that don't matter. It means you're investing in things that aren't actually adding value to your customers. And it's not adding that uh, profit to your business. So when you think about leaning out, it's really doubling down on what's working and eliminating absolutely anything that's not adding that value or adding that profit. And that gives you back time in your day. And it just makes running your business so much more sustainable. Sustainable. I love that because I've been squawking at people for the longest time that there are 9,756 billion resources for starting a business but not that many on sustaining a business. And I think that although the skill sets are cousins, they're really not the same. And and part of that is because you know what to sustain. You have data for that. You have feedback for that. So is there a methodology uh, or strategy that you like to impose upon people (laughs) When they are first trying to grab into this concept of lean, is there like a a great place to start? 
Yeah. So you touched on something really important, right? And that's startup. So when you first start a business, what do you do? You try all the things, you serve all the people, you wear all the hats. The nature of a new business is that you're saying yes to a lot of things to try to find your product market fit and try to find the right offers for the right people at the right price, right? And so the problem is that people frequently go from there to then trying to scale and they Ah. scale noise. And what they need to do is they need to pass through leaning out first because you've got to, like you said, there's data, right? So you've got to look at what is actually working in your business. That's what you want to focus on. You want to get rid of all the rest of it. So the way that I start with people, I have a four pillar process. And the first one is context and you have to know where you're going right? So you start with the end in mind. We've all heard this before, but I think it's really important that people do set that vision for their business. They have to have that strategic alignment and make sure that the things they do on a day-to-day basis are actually going to take them where they want to go. And so when I talk about vision, I talk about it across three different facets. To me, there's a, a piece of vision that a lot of people don't talk about that I think is so important. And it's, you've got to look at your business and where you see your business in the future. I think especially as small business owners, we need to look at ourselves and our life and our lifestyle because we're such an integral part of the business. There really isn't a separation between the two. So we've got to look at that. But the piece that a lot of people miss is the customer. Ah, (laughs) Crazy concept, right? You know, customers, business, you kind of don't have a business without them. And yet a lot of people forget about them almost all the time. And even the best of us forget about them sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. But especially with the visioning, I'll talk with people. I'll be like, tell me about the vision. Tell me about the future. What do you see? And everything they talk about, there's like nothing related back to the customer. And I'm like, so tell me what your customer is going to be looking for you in five years, 10 years. What is it that they're going to want from you? Are you serving the same customer? Like, does your customer grow and evolve with your business? Oh. So you're constantly introducing new offers or are you always serving a static market, like a startup market? And what happens when people graduate out of your program? are out of working with you privately, do you have something next for them? And I think if you're not thinking really strategically about your vision and looking at all three of those facets, you may end up with a business model that's never going to actually get you where you want to go, or that's not going to be sustainable and deliver what your customers really need from you. I freaking adore that so hard because In my capacity as sales trainer, one of the things that I hold most dear is the lifetime value of the client. And when you look at these uh, churn and burn salespeople that uh, even at the highest price points imaginable, basically get the money, cash the check and forget about the client almost immediately, that is a great way to get paid once. Mm-hmm. But it's a terrible way to get repeat business, referrals, testimonials, and all the more. And so I think by looking at how your customer will progress, how your customer will grow, how your customer will evolve, and what's coming up for them in the future is so smart, not only from a forecasting standpoint, not only from a marketing standpoint, but from making sure that you remain the person they need until you aren't anymore, and then what, right? And so, Mm -hmm. like, is it a point of graduation? Awesome. Then what? What's it going to take to get them to graduate? How many steps is that? Then what, you know? And and not to keep it 
or make it overcomplicated because we're talking about leaning, but knowing what the roadmap is, knowing their trajectory, your trajectory, your business's trajectory, and where they all converge. I think that's so freaking key. And I want to go back to something that you said before that too, because it just blew my mind. You said, we have a tendency to scale noise. Why do we do that? Is it because noise is shiny or noise is easy or we're used to it? Why do you think we spend so much time blowing up piddly, noisy shit? There's so many reasons. One, I think it's really hard for people to let things go and it's really hard for people to recognize that things aren't working. But B, I think people are so distracted by bright, shiny objects and they get so conditioned in that startup stage, which I call the emerge stage to say yes to everything, that they keep saying yes to everything. They never put the no muscle in place. Like they never get to that point where they're like, no, this is not an alignment with where I want to take my business. No, this is not an alignment with our next level of growth. No, this isn't going to support me in scaling or support me in having any form of sustainable success where I'm not working around the clock. People just get so conditioned to say yes, that they're afraid to say no to anything. They're afraid to close an offer that's not performing as well. Mm. It's like, what if I let this go and then those customers are upset or I lose that revenue and they're not realizing that if they took that energy, that money, that time that they're investing in that and put it in something that's working better or something that's more directionally aligned with where they want to take their business, they're going to get that back tenfold instead of being scattered and spread across so many different things that are really truly just noise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I've talked on the show before about what I call the great lemuring, which was like, you know, a little right around a decade ago, a little bit more there was this huge push for everybody to jump into self-employment. And a lot of people did. And that was a great thing. And now with, you know, COVID and everybody working from home and mass unemployment and everything else, there's this new push. Go do the thing. Go jump off. Be on your own. And and enter that emerging state. And in that, yes, you do say yes a whole lot. Is my client type this or this? Well, let's try it and see. Or, you know, am I in charge of marketing, branding, sales, or customer service? Well, right now it's just me, so I'm in charge of all of them. But when we scale, it's so true. You're just blowing my mind with this. We don't often look back and say, what have I outgrown? right? Because I have a team now. So why am I not delegating some of these things? Why am I still wearing those hats? Or if I am not having people to delegate to, maybe I should. Or maybe I'm delegating too much. I'm sure there's somebody out there that delegates too much. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm sure it exists. But you know, it's the same thing. It's like, is my market here or there? Let's test it. Okay, well, actually, I tested that one and it didn't work. Why are you still marketing to that market? Why are you still hustling that product? And I think it's really True. I think it's fear and habit combined. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What the heck are we so afraid of? (laughs) I mean, making the wrong choice. Yep. But how do you get people around that fear? Like if your clients come to you and they're like, I got to put this or this on the chopping block and I really don't want to kill either. Do you have any uh, lessons, tips, tricks, tactics around making that fear of loss easier? 
Yeah. So I developed a technique that I call Chuck that I use <laughs> with people. And it's cut, hold, change, and keep. Ooh. So it's picture a page with four, like, take a piece of paper and put four sticky notes on it. So you create a grid of four and write, you know, cut, hold, change, and keep on each of your four sticky notes. And what I think you want to look at is you want to run the things that you're doing or the offers that you have, because usually it's offers, right? People have like 85 different offers and they're like, but that generates revenue. I'm like, at what expense? And is that even like, are you keeping it up to date or are you still selling something that like, if you reread that right now, you'd be embarrassed as out into the world (laughs) because you've evolved past it so far, right? You sign into your signature (laughs) program and it's like, Hey, happy 2016. How are you? And you're like, oh God. When exactly. You- like if you're going to keep selling, <laughs> maintain that thing. Um, but I think people should look across four facets, right? So you've got to evaluate what you're doing and look at the return on investment. Mm-hmm. That's obvious, right? And think beyond just a financial return on investment, but think about the time and the energy, like the mental energy that you're putting into it. Um, think about alignment. When you think of that next level vision that you have, is it still aligned with where you want to go? Um, is it aligned long-term with where you want to be taking your business or is it more aligned with the past, with where you were at one point in time that you've evolved or grown beyond? Um, and when you think you know, near-term, is it aligned with the specific goals that you have right now? Maybe something is long-term aligned, but it's really not the most important thing to be doing right now. It's a great thing to kind of look at and put on hold so that you create some space for the things you need to be doing right now. Fulfillment, right? Is it something Mm -hmm. that you actually still enjoy doing? Or is it kind of like, you know, your corporate friends in Monday mornings? (laughs) And you're like, oh God, I don't want to do this. Oh, somebody signed up for this. I don't want to have to deliver it. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 If you have to groan internally before you offer something and you're self-employed, you're not selling the right thing. If you have to groan before you sell internal something and you and you and you work in a corporate environment or in a sales squad, well, that's got its own things. But if you gotta like take a shot of whiskey, say a prayer, lay down and do the hokey pokey before you get people to enlist in what you sell. Maybe you're not selling the right thing. Just saying. Yeah. That one better at least go in the change category, if not the cut category. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And then finally, the fourth one is investment. And this isn't financial investment. This is more, is this something that you're investing time and energy and money into now because it's going to pay off in the future? So this is your more strategic, long-term looking thing as opposed to your uh, quick win, more short-term looking thing. So I think what you need to do is really just take a look at everything that you have, run it through those filters and look at it. And what I find is people have a really easy time keeping things. People can sometimes agree to change things. They have a really hard time cutting anything. And that's where hold comes into play. And that's what I usually will do with people is say, listen, all signs point to this not being something that you should continue to do. Let's do this for the next 90 days. Let's put it on hold. Let's just hold it for the next 90. Let's take what you were investing in that again, time, money, energy, and let's focus on this, which is what you said is the most important thing for you right now. Yeah. Then let's revisit it and see if you missed it. (laughs) That's how I was introduced to the concept of lean was through the lean startup. And when I was working in software, 
you know, scope creep on a software product is so real. You come out, you're like, my product, my app does this one thing and it does this one thing beautifully. And then you start getting customer feedback and investor feedback and everything else feedback. And suddenly that little app that does one thing beautifully does seven things crappily. And you're like, how did this happen? And so then you're like, because you didn't lean, you didn't stay lean. You got to stay lean. And so for the longest time, the best part of that concept for me was the concept of the icebox. Like, Okay, let's put it in the icebox. And that's what I'm hearing when I hear you say hold. It's like, you don't have to old yeller it. You don't have to take it out back and shoot it. You can hold on to it, but don't pour any more energy into it. Cryogenically freeze it in a chamber and just let it sit until the next evaluation point or until it seems like it's the right place. And I still practice that all the time today because I in my efforts to be lean, promised myself that for 2021, I'm only selling sales for empaths. It's the only product I'm selling. I'm not selling anything else. I'm not focusing on consulting. I'm not having a conference yet. I haven't read it out. Like I, you also have this really amazing business where you help people come up with physical product. I told you flat out, I'm like, cool, I'm hiring you in 2022, but I can't do that right now because I'm selling one product. But what I told you is I was like, I'm going to put that in the icebox. It's got to <laughs> wait. It doesn't have to wait there and die. It doesn't have to wait there till it gets freezer burned and I layer a whole bunch of other stuff on top of it, but it does have to wait its turn. And think about how easy you just made your business. Mm -hmm. You gave yourself a single focus. I mean, brilliant. And I wish more people would do this. And to some people, leaning out is the idea of going from 85 products to 84. <laughs> you are going to one in one focus. And so you're going to sell that thing on repeat all year long. Plus you've already sold it, right? So think about how much better your results are going to get. Mm -hmm. You know, think about how much better the product is going to get. It's when you're focused, it's amazing what you're able to do. And I think that I it's mean, brilliant. this podcast, yeah. this podcast is a result of me weeding my business. I, mm -hmm. I trimmed it so severely in terms of those products and those offerings that it gave me time like this time this recording time right now this would normally be a client call mm -hmm. and instead of that I'm looking at my life differently I'm looking at my business differently my priorities are different I now have that space I now have that time what I'm going to do with it let's launch a podcast and have conversations just like these this podcast would not exist though if I was still trying to sell everything to everyone and be everybody's everything at all times, it just wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Yep. You are lean out <laughs> personified. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure I have some areas that could still be leaned out. Let me tell you, I do have the tendency in marketing, even though I spent many, many years as a marketing expert, getting caught in my own traps of like, shiny object app sumo lifetime subscriptions and i spent entirely too much time on clubhouse and stuff like that like i i could still lean it all down i really <laughs> i really could it's a work in leaning progress but i just think that that's so incredibly key because for me the cut part you're right the cut part is hard but the hold part it's like for my clients, it's like, well, I want to do this, 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 and this. And it's like, great, you can. In your larger vision, you can. But for right now, focus, 
lean, do one thing beautifully. That's mm-hmm. it. Focus, lean, do one thing beautifully. Now, I brought you onto this show today to talk, in addition to your brilliant brain, about leaning out. And someday I'm going to have you back so we can talk about physical product. But I have a feeling the pop culture topic, again, would be the same. Because, Krista, you are, in fact, a Brett Michaels super fan. Is that true? <laughs> that is 100% correct. <laughs> and and would super fan be the term you use? How would you define your relationship with Brett Michaels? I think super fan is a nice way to put it. My husband might call it obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, in our pre-show, and I know that we're not recording this video, so only I get to see this, but you brought things from your personal Brett Michaels, what your husband calls your shrine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the recording today. And that, to me, is the sign of a diehard fan, much like my Angela Lansbury pillow, which really follows me from room to room in my own house. So I get it. I do. So, you know, one thing that comes to mind immediately about Brett Michaels is that he's been in show business for approximately one billion years. (laughs) And so I love that you've chosen him as the pairing of this idea of sustainability. But you also have gotten so into the freaking rabbit hole of the Brett Michaels School of Business. Krista, what the heck is going on here? So here's the thing, right? I think one of the things that I love so much about Brett Michaels is it's kind of unexpected, right? You look at him and you see rock star and people probably don't realize just how incredibly brilliant of a businessman he is. But that to me is the thing that is so fascinating about him and why I think, honestly, people should run their business like Brett Michaels does, because it's just, I mean, take the concept of sustainable success, right? 30 something years later, and he is still top of his game. He's still all over the place. It's you go to his concerts and he talks about and he acknowledges that he has three generations of fans in the audience and he does. And it's staying relevant for that long. And building that really loyal super fan base like me, trust me, I am not alone. I am mild compared to a lot of people who are at those shows. Hey, I went to a poison concert once in leather pants with my high school friend that my parents who religiously listened to this show told me I probably shouldn't hang out with, but yet they said I could go to a poison concert in leather pants. So I'm not. I'm not completely exempt from this fandom. I get it. I get it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he has stayed relevant, like I said, for decades and he's always doing something new. And I think where he's lean in his way is right. He's always experimenting and trying new things, which is part of how he stays relevant, but he always stays on brand. Yeah. He is always on brand. I mean, honestly, look at him today and look at him. His hair is a little less high, but other than that, he looks exactly the same. (laughs) He looks exactly the same and his style is the same. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like when, um, Rock of Love? Yeah, Yeah, Rock of Love. It's not like when that came out, there's this huge boycott of diehard Bret Michaels fans because they were like, who is this fool? Like, much like Flavor Flav, they're like, no, that's Brett Michaels. That's who he is. That's why we love him. And if I weren't already married, I would be on that show because we are destined. I'm like, okay. 
Like I heard that from some people. You and I did not know each other back then, but I had some other people that were like, I wonder if they're auditioning. And I'm like, you're married. What's going on here? (laughs) What? But you're right. He's so on brand. He's so consistent. And I love so much what you said about three generations of fans that gave me just full body chills. I love that so much because I remember one of my highlights of last year was that a client referred to me as a coaching grandma. And what she meant by that was I was her coach as she started and grew her business. And now I'm teaching her clients. And so I'm a coaching grandma. But <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. But still, that's in the course of like hmm, five years. Brett Michaels, what what was like the the big burst on to the scene? Like I am a superstar now. Approximately when was that? Eighties. Mm, yeah, so- I think "Talk Dirty to Me," which is my you know one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, that like really hit big in '87. It yeah. was released before that, but I think that was when it really got its legs. Yeah. So. How many years ago is that? Like, let's not. Well, I'm I'm 37 and I was born in 84. So it was over 35 years ago. Yeah. Most of my life. He has been not only famous, but adored for most of my life. To the point where Talk Dirty to Me came out, you said, in like 87-ish, somewhere in there when I was little. But I went to a Poison concert in high school. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and now we're still talking about it now in 2021 when I'm pressing 40. That's staying power. That's a sustainable business. That's lifetime value of a fan. He has kept (laughs) people forever. Oh, complete. I mean, fans don't leave. He doesn't really get the fair weather fans. He tends to get the diehards. And I think it's because, I mean, the other thing that I really appreciate about him is you can tell that he is doing what he loves and what he's passionate about. And I think when you think about business, when people do that and you can tell that somebody is like living their zone of genius, right? They're Mm -hmm. out there, they are doing what they are supposed to do. You naturally gravitate towards and want to work with that person in business. And he does that, I feel like very much is when he's on stage, he is 100% there and present and he's just giving it his all and he's having the time of his life. And you can feel that when you're part of the crowd or even when you watch him play live. And I think that's why people want to be there so often. Like yeah. I joke that there was only one concert since I was 16 years old that I ever missed of his that he played in the state of Connecticut. So I have been to hundreds of concerts. It was because my sister graduated from the Air Force and I was in Texas for her graduation. And it was the only concert. I had front row tickets and I was so upset that I was missing it. (laughs) But literally, and since the 80s, it's the only concert I've ever missed of his in the state of Connecticut. (laughs) That's like when you're like, I'm really proud of you and thank you for your service. But damn it. Like you couldn't have graduated on a different day. Any other day. You couldn't have graduated earlier in the morning. So I could have taken a plane. Like, come on. (laughs) I, I know that feeling well. I know that feeling really well. But I think you're so right. Like, you can always tell in a live music situation, whether it's a tiny cabaret, black box theater type with horrible seating, or it's an arena where you go and get nachos halfway through, you can always tell when somebody brings their A game. Mm -hmm. And when you find somebody that brings their A game 
every single time, year after year, you know that that person is truly a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And that's how you stay on top, right? It's like you do what you love. You feed that that passion and you keep, you know, making sure that you continue to do what you love and you don't do things that make you fall out of love with what <laughs> you do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're not saying yes to things that aren't on brand, to things that don't fit you. You're only saying yes to the things that you really want to do. And then you get to maintain that passion for your business and for what you do. To me, that's kind of like part of the secret sauce. And that's why I say everybody should run their business like Brett Michaels. <laughs> that's your next book, Krista. <laughs> And you could get the forward by Brett Michaels. Of course. Yeah, of course. Hey, <laughs> hey, Brett, darling, if you're listening to this, uh, Krista has some ideas and you need to reach out. OK, her contact information is in the show notes. Thanks, Brett, darling. Uh, <laughs> but I think that that's so key because, you know, one of the other things about you said he's got this unwavering commitment to his brand. I think that allows him to experiment with new forms, bringing in new audiences, new this, new that. But it also makes him impervious to falling for the shiny object and falling for the trend because, you know, changing his look is not what he wants. Changing his sound is not what he wants. So if they're like, Brett, ditch the bandana, dude. Like, what is this about? He's going to be like, no. They're going to be like, Brett Michaels, cut your hair. And he's going to be like, no, like you said, it's a little bit flatter, but it's all there and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Now, most of us are not known by our hairstyle or clothing choices or even our voices, but it's it's so easy to go. You know, there are people right now at point of recording. Clubhouse has been up for like two months. It's still in beta. And there are already people selling high ticket programs on how to be experts on Clubhouse. The makers of Clubhouse are in beta. They're not even experts yet. It's in beta, right? But they're already like, oop, that's my thing. And the thing that drives me bonkers about that is not that they're trying to get their foot in the door of Clubhouse. Like, nice work if you can get it. But more like, what did you retire for that? And was that a good choice? Brett Michaels doesn't have to worry about if one of his trends strikes back because he doesn't fall into those holes. Yeah, yeah, completely, entirely. And, you know, he has a big thing where he's big on giving back. So he continues to do that. That's a big part of what he does. It's just he's consistently on brand. He has been since the first time I ever saw him and met him, you know, back in the 80s. <laughs> so let's bring that up. You have met Brett Michaels more than once. Oh, probably about a hundred or more times. Oh my God. I love it. And also <laughs> you are creepy. Like I, I applaud your creepiness and envy your creepiness, <laughs> but I will understand that like, okay, I understand why your husband's saying obsessed now, but then again, it's been almost 40 years. So like, it's not like it's been one second. So, you know, have you had a chance in all of these conversations that you've had great and small over the years with him? And one of the things you showed me before is a picture of the two of you. Um, has he said anything to you over the years that has inspired your business? I don't know if there's any one thing he said. I think it's more how he treats his fans. 
Mm. He makes every single person, like when I go up and I do a meet and greet, or if I get on the tour bus, or if I just like get some time to hang out with him, he always makes me feel like I'm the most important person in the world. And he, when he's on stage and he's playing and he makes eye contact with the fans, he makes whoever he's looking at feel like the most important person in the world. And he's fully present with mm-hmm. the person that he's with, even if it's only for 30 seconds and then he moves on to the next person in line, but he's never distracted. He's always fully present. And I think, again, when you think about business, your customers want to feel like they have your full attention. Mm. And he always makes you feel like you have his full attention. And everyone always jokes and they're like, well, you've seen him so many times. He's got to know you by now. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, I don't think he actually does, but it doesn't stop him from making me feel like he does every time I I see him. Because every time you see him, he's glad to see you. Right. And I don't think it's because he's like, oh, I've seen her for this is the 107th time that I've seen her. I think it's more like, cool, there's a fan here to see me. Right. And it's just he appreciates his fans and it shows. But he does. He makes everybody feel really special. He thanks everybody for taking the time to come to the shows. He thanks people for taking the time to do the meet and greets. Like he yeah. just seems very genuine and he gives you your his full attention when he is with you for however long it is. I adore that because totally changing genres and styles. Take the opposite of Brett Michaels and you get David Sedaris, the essayist. And I was so lucky to be able to go see him with my husband right before COVID, like right before we even understood what was going on, like the last week of February. And he said, uh, because we knew that there was possibly going to be a signing, but we didn't really know. He wasn't promoting a new book. He was just doing a reading and and it was a huge audience. And he said during his show, which was all incredible, and I've seen him at least three times. Um, but he said, you know, the least my least favorite thing in the world is when you go up to a table at a book signing and the author acts like they could not give less of a shit that you're there. Mm. And he said, uh, so I'm going to ask you weird questions just because I'm curious or sometimes I like to come up with a theme. So if you don't know what to say to me, just come up and tell me what your favorite tropical fruit is. Like it's like he's really just saying, like, come up and be accessible. But I'll tell you what. We got in line and we were pretty close to the beginning of the line. And that was the longest line imaginable because he took the time with every single person that came to the table to talk to them, to listen to them, to take pictures with them. He doesn't write in the books that he signs. He draws you little Sharpie pictures and all the pictures are different. And so my pic- my book signing is different than my husband's, is different than the one we got for my mom. And the same thing is like, I've seen David Sedaris a couple of times. Do I expect him to remember me? Of course not. But I know whenever I encounter him that I am going to be treated like the VIP. Mm-hmm. And that is friggin' amazingly powerful and gratifying as a fan to feel seen to that level. He also gave me a piece of bread because he said, are you Greek? And I said, no, I'm Italian. And he goes, oh, do you want this focaccia? And first I said, no, because I was low carbing. And then I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, yes. When David Sedaris offers you bread, you eat it. Like, what am I doing? Like, stop it. Eat the bread. But, you know, I think there's something so much there of like, 
Welcome to the tour bus. I'm Brett Michaels. You're my fan. We don't have all day, but let's have a really genuine collect- connection for right now because he's, he thrives on the fact and gets high on the fact that people like you are there. Yeah, absolutely. And he's just, he, he's very genuine. He's very great. And I just think there's so much that we can all take away from that for our business. Like how can you make your clients feel like VIPs? Can you actually, when you're meeting with your clients, be fully present? right? Don't be distracted. Don't be doing all sorts of different things and half paying attention to them. Actually give them your full attention for the time that you have with them. I think it's so important and it goes such a long way. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything I have not asked you about Brett Michaels? I mean, I could talk about Brett Michaels all day long, but no, I think that we have, (laughs) we have hit the highlights. (laughs) Then, well, I'll say one more yes, thing, actually. Yes. I'm like, wait a minute, let's just keep going here. Well, because I still um, <laughs> have the final question, but I need to know what you need to say. So you do say it, Krista. Well, one of the, the newer songs that he came out with was Unbroken. And that's one of the things that I also really like about him is, you know, he is a diabetic. He talks about that frequently. He's had a lot of health issues and health scares, and he's talked about that. But he is still one of the most positive, optimistic people. Mm. And he just always keeps going. And he, I mean, Unbroken was such a great song, I think, because of the meaning behind it. More so that it's just kind of like you might be unbroken, but, (laughs) you know, you just you just keep on going. And I think that that's also really good, too, is he does try to provide that inspiration and positivity to people. And again, something in your own business, like you may have adversity and things that come up, but how can you take that and make other people feel like it's okay and keep going? And yes, you might hit this bump in the road or you might experience this, but your business is going to be fine and keep going. And here's what you can do. Stop blowing my mind about Brett Michaels. (laughs) like his music or not, which if you don't like his music, I don't know if we can be friends. When we booked this episode, I told you that I would go on a Brett Michaels binge and I am very much looking forward to it. You know why? Even more. I love, love, love to hear stories of celebrities who are beautifully hearted people. It mm-hmm. makes me appreciate their art even more. And and I don't want to get into cancel culture or whatever, because that's not what this is about. But we've lost a lot of celebrities in the last few years, ones with long standing because stuff has come out about them that Mm. is horrible and it's hard to separate art from artists. But on the flip side of that, when you already enjoy someone in your limited knowledge of them, but you hear about what a great person they are, for me, that's just a, hey, the next time you're sitting down listening to records, spin some poison, let's go. All right, which brings me to a very important question. You have been tasked to rewrite the lyrics to Every Rose Has Its Thorn from a business standpoint. Every rose has its thorn. Every night has its dawn. Every business, ba-da-da-da-da, doesn't have to rhyme. Every business what? Every business will succeed if you just flip and stick with it. (laughs) That's going to be a long line. Every business will succeed if you lean out. (laughs) Every business will succeed if you buckle down and get serious about it. All right, I can do it. Every business will succeed if you lean out. And it works. (laughs) Yes. There we go. Brett, again, buddy. 
we got a new revamp for you right here. Every business will succeed if you lean out. Krista, it has been such a freaking pleasure having you here on this weird and wild episode. How do my listeners, including Brett Michaels, hopefully, reach out and start a conversation with you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast <laughs> and a half. Um, so you can find me at leanoutmethod.com and you can find my podcast at leanoutmethod.com slash podcast. It's the Lean Out Your Business podcast. Fan freaking tastic. Krista, as you said, it's been an absolute delight. Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts, your homework for the week. And I promise no more singing. Well, hey there, listeners. Wow, this week's episode had so many gems in it, thanks to the incredible Krista. But in her honor, I will do my best to lean out the message and focus on what I think is truly the heart of the episode. How can we treat our customers, our fans, like the most important people in the world to us? In a world where so many businesses view their people as transactions and nothing more, how can we stop, be present, be appreciative, and make the client feel treasured? Surely this treatment is a big part of what keeps Brett Michaels thriving musical generation after musical generation. What would it be like to have three generations of fans in your business? What efforts would it take to foster all that love? Your homework this week is to look at the clients you already have, not leads, not prospects, the ones you already have, especially your diehards. How are you neglecting them? What do they need from you that you have not yet given? Where are they on the learning curve now that's different from where they came in? Where does your industry leave them wanting? This is not an invitation to launch a new product or service. Remember, we are trying to be essential in our prioritization here. But this is a wake-up call to remind you that you are a celebrity in the eyes of some very wonderful people. What kind of celebrity meet-and-greet stories do you want them to tell about their interactions with you, online or off? What might a backstage pass to your business look like? And if they only get three minutes of FaceTime with you, are you doing everything you can to make them feel valued every second of that time before you move on to the next? Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.annieprugglescom slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. 
all pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me. 